Hey, Jerry, we're away at the moment. Did you know that? Yes, I did. Yeah, so I thought uh, just to keep the podcast feed just pinging along, we'd look back at the work of journalist Robin B. V. Dave and his insightful um, and quite actually um, terrifying documentary into the events at uh, the Rimu Park Lodge in 2017. Mm-hmm. Mm. Uh, Brown Hands, A Snow Crime Recorded. We're going to have the first two episodes of that very important podcast that topped the podcast charts in 2017, actually. It knocked Brown, uh, Black Hands <laughs> off number one um, in the podcast charts, and, and Black Hands is the uh, docu-podcast series around the David Bain incidents at Every Street in, in Dunedin. So it was a real feather in... Robin B. V. Robin V. Dave's cap to knock that off, wasn't it? It'd be good to listen back and enjoy. No, it wasn't me. Matt Heath on being accused seemed to go into a state of shock. He kept saying, "Brown hands." I'm being framed. Brown hands. We find the defendant guilty, Your Honour. <laughs> assure you I did not make the mystery sound at the River Park Lodge. In 2016, during a ski trip to Ohakuni, Jeremy James Drummond Wells entered Matthew Peter Henry Heath's room and recorded him snoring on his iPhone. These facts are not in dispute. It's the source of another sound on the recording. That has been a national obsession ever since. Only two people could have produced that sound either Matt Heath or Jeremy Wells. Who was it? The Rimu Park Lodge mystery sound is a circumstantial case. In other words, it is based on inferences drawn from facts or circumstances rather than eyewitness accounts. The question is does the evidence we have lead to a certain conclusion? Was it Matt Heath? or Jeremy Wells, who produced the mystery sound. In this episode, we put speculation aside and look at the hard evidence. I'm journalist Robin V. Dave, and this is Brown Hands, a podcast about the Rimu Park Lodge mystery sound. On August 10th, 2016, a recording was made in Matt Heath's room at the Rimu Park Lodge on a ski trip. Only Matt Heath, who appeared to have made the sound, or Jeremy Wells, who claimed to have recorded the sound, can possibly have made the sound. On Matt Heath's side of the ledger, there are at least five unexplained items creating suspicions against him. Let's start with the massive head of steam up Matt had gotten at the powder keg in Ohakuni that night. This from a police interview with Matt Heath on the day after the events. Yeah, I mean, I would say I had a full head of steam. It was a full day up the mountain, so I was pretty tired then. We went off to the pub and, you know, I was thirsty and tired and I got hammered. Yeah, big head of steam, pretty wasted. It was a great night and then I uh, can't really remember getting back to the lodge. I, I, I would say, yeah, I, I, I hit, the, hit the hay hard and, um, yeah, blacked out. Another problem for the defence was Matt's meal that night. Here's Jeremy Wells on the stand at the second trial. Matt ordered uh, the large pub 
beef and bean nachos and he ploughed through it. So Matt Heath gets up a massive head of steam. He's tired and passes out snoring after consuming a large pub bean and beef nachos. Conveniently, Matt Heath claims he suffered a 22-minute to 12-hour blackout and complete memory loss during the entire Mystery Sound incident. He has no idea who created it. Yeah, it was happening to me a, a, a lot around that time. Still does on a normally on a on a, on a Friday and Saturday night. I'll just um, I'll be out, you know, out and and, and then um, and then I'll, I'll have these blackouts and I can't remember anything. Um, well, you know, especially when I've been well, only when I've been drinking, really. But this is no open and shut case. There are problems for the prosecution with this series of events. In the second trial, the defence produced expert witness Wallace Foster, who claimed Matt's relaxed snoring on the recording doesn't match the forced nature of the mystery sound. Actors have been used in the following reenactment to play the parts of defence counsel James Fisher and sleep expert Wallace Foster. After examining the tape, what was your conclusion around the nature of the mystery sound? In my opinion, that has been pushed out forced out in a conscious manner. This is a planned noise for comic effect. Not what you'd normally expect from an unconscious snoring man. So the snoring and the mystery noise couldn't have been produced by the same person? No. Well, it's very unlikely. So could Jeremy Wells have produced the mystery sound, and if so, why? What was his motive? The defence argued Jeremy has a history of pointless practical jokes. This audio is from 2005. Jeremy is recorded ringing south on TV and saying Tenakoto dozens of times to make a point. You go straight to the phones and take a call from Auckland and say, good evening to John. Kia ora. Uh, Tenakoto, 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 Well, we know you're from Auckland, John. There's no need to overdo it. Is it not possible that a man who would do that would also record a man sleeping before pushing out the mystery sound himself in a premeditated fashion to frame Matt? In the first trial, audio expert Michael G. Lane thought this unlikely. And we apologise for the quality of the following audio. So Mr Wells was standing at the end of, of Mr Heath's bed recording with the phone microphone pointing directly towards uh, the sleeping man. So if we listen closely, the audio of the snoring is very, very clear. Now, when we hear the mystery noise, it is equally uh, as clear. Uh, no. Uh, how it doesn't become muffled. Uh, if anything, it's louder and clearer than the snoring itself. And if Jeremy was to have produced that sound, uh, he would have had to have used the phone in a very strange way, obviously moving it up into the left of his backside and anus region. Uh, and not only uh, would that have been a very strange way to use the phone, it would have also created a slight muffling of the snoring, which we obviously we don't hear. So from your analysis of the audio on the tape, how likely would you say it is that Mr. Wells made the mystery sound? 
very, very unlikely. So you have now heard the major points of evidence from both the defence and prosecution in the case. It is compelling on both sides. But who does it point to? Who does it rule out? As has been said before, the only two people that could have made that sound are either Matt Heath or Jeremy Wells. We look forward to you joining us next time on Brown Hands, a snow crime recorded, when we will examine Jeremy's full bladder and ask why, if he had nothing to hide, did Matt Heath feel compelled to put his boxes through the wash. I'm journalist Robin V. Dave, and this is Brown Hands. This has been a Hodaki and Wounder Productions podcast. To listen, press 1. You have one played message received at 12.51pm. Mike in 021 Just got a message here, little f***ed up friend, mate. He is f***ing with the wrong person. Yeah, let him listen to this too. Sucky. You have f***ed with the wrong person, you f***. Jumped up little kid. Call me back if you got the f***ing balls. To return the call, press zero. No! Matt Heath, on being accused, seemed to go into a state of shock. He kept saying, brown hands. I'm being framed. Brown hands. We find the defendant guilty, Your Honour. I want to assure you, I did not make the mystery sound at the River Park Lodge. In criminal investigations, character can help discover the culprit. The who helps discover the whom. The Rimu Park Lodge mystery sound is either an unconscious omission or a perfectly executed plan to discredit a co-host. Who was more likely to do what and why? I'm journalist Robin V. Dave and this is a podcast about the Rimu Park Lodge mystery sound, a snow crime recorded. In 2016, during a ski trip to Ohakuni, Jeremy Wells entered Matt Heath's room in the early hours of the morning and recorded him snoring on his iPhone. These facts are not in dispute. It is this crime recorded here, dubbed the mystery sound by Matt Heath, that has been the subject of national debate ever since. Only Matt Heath, who appeared to have made the sound in his sleep, or Jeremy Wells, the only witness to the crime, could have committed the crime. But who was it? Which of the two men's character points to the crime? While points of character can never be seen as conclusive, they can shed some light on who is more likely to commit a crime. For example, if Jeremy Wells is such an upstanding citizen, why, in 2003, after an episode of Eating Media Lunch, did alleged comedian Mike King leave this message for him? To listen... Press 1. You have one played message. Received at 12.51pm. Mike in 021. Just got a message here, little f***ed up friend, mate. He is f***ing with the wrong person. Yeah, let him listen to this too. Sucky. You have f***ed 
with the wrong person, you f jumped up little f kid. Call me back if you got the f***ing balls. To return the call, press zero. But before we look more into Mike King's frank and reasoned assessment of Wells, let's first look at the character of Matt Heath. In a recent interview, deputy editor of the New Zealand Herald, Sir Murray Kirkness, put it this way. I've only got three words, Matt Heath, guilty. But is he? Matt was in generally good health in August 2016, if a little overweight, and according to his doctor, he had a slightly enlarged prostate. He was the co-host of the Matt and Jerry Breakfast Show on Hodaki and seemed happy and popular in his position. <laughs> so true. You're listening to Radio Hodaki at 7.20am. A problem for the defence is Matt Heath's claim that he has no idea at all what the mystery sound is. Here, an audio from the Matt and Jerry show less than eight hours after the noise was created. Matt reacts in a seemingly jovial fashion when confronted with the crime by Jeremy Wells. That sounds like some snoring, but what's that other noise? <laughs> That's the bit that um, confuses me. What is, what is that? The <laughs> this is the first reference to a mystery sound. Before that, there was no question what it was. But was a sound like this ever really that much of a mystery to Matt? Is it really possible he has no idea at all what it is? Or was it simply convenient for him to not know? This from retired Canadian judge Alan Morissette, 83, in a compensation interview with Matt. Once again, we apologise for the poor sound quality and acting on this recording. But, 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 Matt, 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 can you see why some people might struggle to find it credible at all that you have no idea whatsoever at all what the Remy Park Lodge mystery sound is? I was under a lot of stress, as, as you can imagine at the time, to be accused of that. I mean, I think I did pretty well under the circumstances. I mean, I was under a, a lot of stress. I was having blackouts at the time. I have no memory of it. It was the police. If the police had done their, their, their job, it wasn't me. Strangely, and some would argue incompetently, Judge Alan Morissette, 83, immediately dropped this line of questioning, letting Matt off the hook on a pivotal issue. He would later declare Matt Heath innocent. Surely it would have been helpful if the judge had asked Matt to explain this audio from a 2008 TV show produced by Matt called Who Man and Wheeze. The song was commissioned by Matt Heath, the guitar played by Matt Heath, and the lyrics written by Matt Heath were sung by his girlfriend at the time. And yet he claims to have a complete lack of knowledge around the areas of the mystery sound. This from Jeremy Wells in a police interview two weeks after the crime. Of course Matt knows what the mystery sound is. It's only called the mystery sound because he called it that, because he didn't want to face up to what he'd done. I mean, have you seen his TV shows? There was a whole segment on this kind of stuff. He knew exactly what the mystery sound was. The question is, why is he lying? And I think we all know the answer to that. Researchers for the Brown Hands podcast found audio in MediaWorks archives that seemed to back up Jeremy's claims. Foul feathered fiend! Quack, quack! Like water off a duck's back! Quack, 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 quack! Quack, 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 quack! Try this on for size! Forever. 
there seems to be a credibility gap for Matt. He conveniently has no recollection of the events at the Rimu Park Lodge, claiming he blacked out after getting a massive head of steam up at the powder keg. I'll have these blackouts and I can't remember anything, um, well, you know, especially when I've been, well, only when I've been drinking, really. But that blackout couldn't have extended back in time to 2002. Surely he knew at the very least what the mystery sound was. But why would he mislead on such an obvious point? Is he hiding something? Longtime Matt supporter and ex-Blackstick John Caravan didn't think so in his book Matt and the Monster from earlier this year. We apologise for the poor quality of the acting in this next extract. Oh come on, the police probably planted the mystery sound themselves. I don't have any evidence they did, but they probably did knowing them, which I don't. It's all a conspiracy if you ask me. So there are problems for Matt from the perspective of character, but he is not alone. Next we examine the character of Jeremy Wells, the only other person who could have produced the mystery sound. There is also plenty in Jeremy's past that points suspicion towards him. To Jeremy's supporters, he is a victim. He was simply in Matt's room recording his friend snoring in the hopes of humiliating him on the radio the following morning. He simply stumbled in and discovered a horrific crime. But with no witnesses and Jeremy not willing to answer key questions, we are left to piece things together ourselves from the evidence we have. So what is there in Jeremy's past that points to him? This audio from Jeremy's TV series, Eating Media Lunch, was uncovered recently in the TVNZ archives. Here Wells is heard faking a stutter in calls to Good Morning and Leighton Smith's News Talk ZB radio show. Morning Bob. Uh, m- m- morning Mary, how, how are you? Excellent, thanks. I, I, I think these it, 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 these emissions should 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 be introduced. I think is what you're trying to say, Bob. Thank you, Bob. Lambie comes in at eight seconds, and worse, barely contains a smirk. Morning, Lightning Teddy here. I've got, I'm just standing outside here, uh, uh, Leighton, uh, and it's a beautiful day, a first beautiful day for, for quite a while. That's terrific, Eddie. I uh, hope it stays that way. Now, I wanted to, to touch on a, a couple of things. Uh, the first thing is, that, look, Leighton, I went to uh, intermediate school uh, in the in a no, no, 1960s here in Auckland. Just hang on, Eddie. It's 11.30. Smith allowed just six seconds before seeking refuge in some headlines. A disappointing end to our experiment. And here, Jeremy is recorded asking a Destiny Church member about the sexuality of Jesus. If Jesus was gay, what do you think he would think of this march? Number one, he ain't gay. And number two, he's the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. And finally, and most damning of all, Wells asks an inappropriate question of a lady around horse sex. Is there a difference between a man forcing himself sexually on a horse and a woman having sex with a horse? A man doing what on a horse? Ex-Blackstick and longtime Matt supporter John Caravan concludes that if Jeremy Wells was involved in producing such lewd content, he is very likely to have produced the mystery sound himself. Matt Heath or Jeremy Wells are the only people that could have made the mystery sound. Character evidence suggests both have spent much of their lives operating in the mystery sound area, 
Both seem capable of having committed the sound. It is interesting to note that only Matt has lied or misled in his testimony. Why? What has he to hide? With no witnesses, character can shed some light on the events at the Rimu Park Lodge in 2016. But while important, this evidence is not conclusive. It does, however, on balance appear to move the finger of blame back towards Matt. On the next podcast, we look at further complex expert evidence that points the finger back at Jeremy Wells. The defence assertion that it isn't possible to produce an outward pushing sound downstairs at the same time as sucking inwardly from the face. And we outline audio proximity readings that suggest the two sounds, the snore and the mystery sound, were produced not more than 20 centimetres from each other. Yet Matt's mouth and nose are roughly 72 centimetres from his anus. The defence postulate a clinical, cold-blooded, squatting facial release from Jeremy Wells. I look forward to you joining us next time on Brown Hands, a snow crime recorded. I'm journalist Robin V. Dave, and this is Brown Hands. Thanks for listening. Join us again tomorrow on the Matt and Jerry podcast for parts three and four of Brown Hands, a snow crime recorded. I've been Matt Heath. And I'm Jeremy Wells. And I'm Mash. Thanks for listening.